Hi everyone and welcome back to the Iris Pod. I'm delighted today to be joined by Henry Harrod, who is the co-founder and CEO of Fourier Audio. Great to meet you. And you're also an Enterprise Fellow at the Royal Academy of Engineering, which sounds Indeed. very grand and we'll dig into that. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Henry, it's great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Tell us about Fourier Audio. I think there's a kind of soul connection here around live music, audio and immersive experiences, but tell us it in your own words. Sure. So we we're a product of the pandemic. I used to be a sound um, engineer in the West End, working alongside many amazing designers um, and for many amazing designers. And... Um, during that process of working with them and working with other people, we very quickly realized that the tools available to sound engineers and designers in theater, but then all across the industry, they're kind of stuck in the past. A lot of them are very hardware dependent, very complex to make. And when you started doing a deeper dive into how they work and why they're built like they are, you go, you come back to the Beatles time and time again. You go, well, this is how it used to be with tapes. This is how it used to be with channel strips. And it got us thinking, it's like, well, why? Why are we still operating like this? And the pandemic came along, took away all of our jobs as, you know, the kind of sub story there. But it gave us the amazing opportunity to have some time to try and figure out, well, how can we maybe make an impact in that industry? And so at the beginning of the pandemic, we came together, myself and Gareth Owen, um, multi-Tony and Olivier award-winning sound designer, and Peter Bridgman, a friend of mine from university and the most brilliant um, CTO for us and co-founder, to pull together a team to figure out, well, how can we change the world of pro audio in the live in the live domain? So, you know, you go to a, a show or a concert or really um, many other experiences. We had someone recently on who um, was augmenting branded experiences in retail with, with sound. Sure. Um, and we want to be um, made alive, I suppose, with, with that experience. And, you know, sound is a key component to that. So why do we... Why is that not essential? I think it's a good question. Like, we, we would say it is. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we end up looking at the industry. It depends on which angle you look. I, from a commercial standpoint, end up talking a lot of people that want to see the balance sheets of everything. And that goes all the way back to music, comes to every event under the sun. Unfortunately, time and time again, we come back to the balance sheet. It, it, where's the money being driven from? Where's the experience being enhanced? And what is it by? Um, and quite often, I think we're seeing audio becoming this kind of second class citizen almost of it, it you know, it, what is it? We've got 8K video, we've got all this. And so many times people just go, well, can you hear, you know, can we hear the words? Yeah. Okay, done. And it's, especially in, in music, that's just not good enough. You see what they do in studio world and the sheer amount of money in the studio world. And yet in the live domain where we see ourselves um, and, and just in our day-to-day -day lives, I think we do suffer from pretty bad sound. And we certainly want to be big proponents of improving that for everybody. The, the slide pack for our investors, when we um, started out in, in 2018 into 2019, you, you've, just, you've just literally articulated the first three pages. <laughs> and uh, one of our investors is, is Roger Taylor of, of Queen fame. And right. he articulated, he's like, we moved forward so much in the visual sense. You know, how can I have a TV with perfect, you know, crystalline vision 8k yeah yet we've gone backwards with fidelity on on audio experiences and you know nothing crushes me more than when i see someone walking down the street without even headphones on just listening to it out of those speakers in the in the phone totally it's a bizarre thing that we've arrived at here it is and you you look at some of the technologies that are coming out and, and to be fair i think we are making advances in certain areas you look at you know i have in, in my pocket right now a pair of apple airpods Sure, they're not the best things in the world, but my goodness, having the convenience factor there of being able to listen to my music whenever I can, rather than holding my phone up to my ear, we are definitely getting better in that domain. 
Um, and I think that kind of comes back to that studio world is doing quite well in delivering pretty good audio quality. You've got Apple Spatial Audio, you've got all these new technologies coming out that are there to improve um, listening to your favorite band via the track off of um, Spotify. But then also in film, you've got Dolby Atmos, etc. All of those are kind of pre-recorded. They can be manipulated and crafted. Whereas in the live domain, we just don't have that luxury of time. It Once it's happened, it's happened. And I think that that element of, you know, so much of live is derived by how much is someone paying for the ticket that we have that far bigger tension than they perhaps have in the studio environment. Yeah. So, you know, in the studio, you've got the ability to place microphones and manage the acoustics and you sure. know, famous places where you would record. You mentioned the Beatles like Abbey Road. I was I was booted out of Abbey Road um, <laughs> back in the day, literally onto the zebra crossing. Um, it's iconic. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I guess we're trying to solve for that in the way that we can make those experiences for the listener more immersive using some tricks. Sure. Panning and reverb and all of these Absolutely. things. Absolutely. So, so is that what you're doing or what, 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 what else are you bringing to the mix sure, without I, giving away your no, secrets absolutely. too much? <laughs> I, I, guess, I guess it's probably worth maybe quickly touching on how it works currently for those Ooh. that don't know, because I think a lot of the population don't understand 100%. how we do things in live. And yeah. It is a bit of a secret art. There's an element of by having this magic happening around people, people don't know how it works. And that's kind of great. But I guess for the purpose of the podcast, it's probably important that we dig a little bit deeper. Um, if you imagine you've got, let's say, Ed Sheeran in the O2 stood on a stage, he's got a microphone and the speakers all over the room, you know, making it louder for the, for the audience. And the principal aim is to make sure that the audience can hear what's on stage, right? That's one of the fundamentals of what we do as live engineers. But there has to be a process of taking all of those feeds in and doing something with them to make it sound good. And now good is subjective, as we say, you know, w at what point is it acceptable? Well, you know, hypothetically, you could just add it all together and chuck it into the, into the speakers and maybe you'd hear the right thing, maybe you wouldn't. And it comes down to a sound engineer having typically a mixing console, a piece of hardware, normally quite large, where they would add things such as reverb, EQ, compression, tools that have been around, again, since the days of the Beatles, um, so as to sum it all together so it can come out the speakers. Now, those tools are still quite crude. We're still using basic things like, you know, a good event will be run by a few EQs and compression and some mixing. And quite often that's it. Uh, and where we see, you, if you compare that to how the studio environments work, where it used to be that we were on big Neve consoles, large format in Air or Abbey Road, and that was how they did it. They did that, they recorded it all at the same time onto tape, and it was to some degree live. It, the tape was a capture of the live, live playback, right? And then spliced together. But that whole industry have moved into software. They've moved into doors, you know, digital audio workstations, where they can add things like um, software plugins, but any software augmentation to what they're doing and add that element of creativity provided by companies such as Iris or any of these amazing software companies building processing tools that don't align with just an EQ or don't align with just a compressor. Because you can do a lot more than that. You can do anything to a bit of audio. And where we see the big gap in live audio is really all of this software domain that is in the studio environment just isn't making the jump to live. It's um, it, it's something that you know kind of boggles the mind a little bit um, that it that it wouldn't. And do you think it is literally just about the the profit the profit margin? You know, we we've had these discussions you know with some of our other technologies to to clarity um the option the optionality of it and sure. 
Um, yet that doesn't align actually with the research that shows that people do demand, but they don't want to pay for it, maybe. Yeah, I think if you, you know, I, here we are as manufacturers to some degree, and it's a very different challenge to come into the world to solve a problem and build a business case that then feeds a value chain all the way back to the ticket buyer. Mm. And producers, you would argue, yes, if you said, if you walked into a producer's office and said your gig will sound better objectively and subjectively because of this and this and this, they may well buy it. But walking in from our perspective to an investor's office and saying, ah, oh, this producer says this and the sound engineer wants this and Ed Sheeran says it's great, it's a muddle. And, and actually that value chain breaks down very quickly because there's so many voices. So no, I don't think it is just the balance sheet, but it is a very complex industry to break into. And people are creatures of habit in the industry. It's, it's historically relatively old in terms of how people have worked and it hasn't changed very much. And so in terms of the reason why this problem isn't being solved, I think it's principally because there's little impetus for a manufacturer to come into the world without a huge amount of energy. And I guess that's what we're bringing here to change that status quo, but it does take a huge amount of energy and it's very risky. How resistant is one of the things I think that we've certainly um, come up against. Um, we've had some very talented engineers that work directly in the company that believe in, in what we're trying to build on that immersive audio side. Sure. How challenging is it when you're up against people that know it this way, that have 20, 30 years experience? You know, I'm an expert in my field. These new kids on the block yeah. aren't going to tell me what to do. It's challenging things to interface to, Absolutely. Right? It's a balance, I think, because um, it would be wrong if we didn't have a huge, and we do have a huge amount of respect for the history of the industry. You know, I grew up playing with all of these audio toys, loving it. Yeah. And so we come into it with a love and a huge amount of respect for what has been. But at the same time, there is an amazing opportunity that we have, especially driven by COVID and just by the fact we even exist because we have the time to form. Um, we have that opportunity to start questioning and start going up to people. And we are, and we're seeing re people receptive to it of going, well, you use that. What if this existed? And people go, well, yeah, I'd buy it tomorrow. And that's where, that's the joy, right? That, and that's what we do as manufacturers is try to find those pain points that people are willing to move away from what they currently use and, and adopt your, your, your solution. Describe the experience to me then. What, what, what is that? feeling that you get when you when you walk into a venue and, and Fournier Audio is is augmenting that experience what are you trying to create for the for the audience that are there sure I, I think it's um I, immersion's a buzzword you you, you bring it up I, I, it's a, it is it's a, a buzzword. tricky buzzword yeah. because um I I have I attended a talk last year about well what is immersive audio and the conclusion was no one knows <laughs> um and I think that's probably a fair analysis because it could mean so many different things it could mean the, the way the audio is processed it could be the the subjective is an audience immersed do they feel immersed you know this person's view of immersion could be completely different to that person's and so you know what what are we trying to achieve i think crucially we are trying to impart what is available in studio and a lot of other industries to the audio industry bring that to the live domain and that principally looks like unlocking the power of software and the develop you know, all of the brilliant software developers out there and bringing their ip to the live sound engineer and the impact to the audience member will be seismic quite frankly it will be delivering that studio punch that we're so used to to the live setting and um something i came across quite often in in and still do is people say well i you know the live gig sounds pretty good and then you start breaking it down they go actually the person eating the popcorn and the sticky floors it, it all adds together that is the experience but when you break down to could you hear what adele or ed sheeran was singing a lot of the time no 
and they want to. <laughs> and so even just the basics of getting to that level of what people expect from their studio albums to be replayed in the O2 arena is pretty magical. And that's, that's you know, a big part of what we're aiming to do. Yeah, you're right. If you, depending on where you're sitting, particularly in the O2, I think, um, because it's, you know, very cavernous. Mm, it's huge. Um, and if you're at the back there, I think I saw Sam Smith there and it was very, uh, it was reverberating mm. where... Sure. You know, where I was sitting and that did actually compromise it. He's yeah. got a great voice, you know, and it kind of rattled the rafters as it were. Sure. And, you know, I guess there's limitations, I suppose, in the construct of, of the venue. Is it designed and optimized for for a live concert? Sure. It's a, it's a big question. I, 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 this was partly where I took my interest in my master's in acoustical engineering was around how spaces are optimized and distributed PA systems are used. Um, in short, no. Uh, a lot of the time, these these venues serve. It's a tin where, shed. Where, where, well, they are, and they're again. I don't want to be cynical and say bottom line, but there is an element of do you spend a lot of your money on acoustic treatment when actually is it good enough? And that's that's another force that's applied. Yeah. Um, it's a, not a rabbit hole probably that we should go in today, but you you do go well. Is broad sense of is amplification the way to go, or is localized amplification potentially where the industry is going? You know, are people always going to be listening through main PA speakers, or are they going to have more? Um, bespoke uh, playback solutions in live environments or something like that. So, you, so you, you think it might go to the point where you're live in the room, mm. but your interface with the audio might be something that's quite vastly different. In fact, where it so. might be personal to you, like you're wearing headphones, but in the venue, it could be. Um, we're certainly seeing that there are there are startups out there doing exactly that. Um, some amazing ones using five G and other, you know, even just phone networks, and just having their you know, their AirPods paired to their phone. And that just means they're getting, they might have audio description, for example, coming down that. So we're already seeing that technology being adopted. Will we go that far? Do I want it to go that far? No. I, I, you know, the experience of not having to wear headphones is great. But then you do have the mad people such as Elon Musk out there doing some crazy things. So who knows how, how that will go in the future. Um, and you look at, you know, again, I'm not a massive proponent of this kind of hypothetical metaverse that's coming our way. Oh, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, <laughs> but you do look at it and you go, well, actually how are people going to experience audio in that environment? Audio is a massive void. People are not talking about audio in that environment at all at the moment, as far as I can tell. It's all about what you see and Thank not you. about what you hear. Correct. Um, and so, you know, are we are we, are we we betting the house on the metaverse? No. Are we here to solve the metaverse problem? No, not at the moment. But are we are we there to do it if we need to? Yeah. It's it's actually one of the strands of what we're doing with with Clarity. So we were at South by Southwest this, this year. Massively underwhelming, quite frankly. Sorry. <laughs> um, for anyone that's running that and might be listening, I'm not sure we'll be going next year. We might go next year. Sure. But the metaverse was the buzzword. Every other session was about the metaverse. Um, and the fact, the point you've just made about the audio component, once again, being forgotten and the last thing that they think about. And um, we're working with a company at the moment to, uh, to clear out the background noise because the fact is, if you're immersed in this historical walkthrough of ancient Rome, um, and there's all these people looking around, you're interacting with the artifacts and the buildings and all that sort of stuff. And then this person that's on the tour, the cat's meowing in the background because they're yeah, the baby. In, that, yeah, 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 exactly. It kind of completely <laughs> removes whatever your descriptor of immersive is. It completely totally evaporates it. Um, yeah, I'm quite skeptical about, about the metaverse. I'm also, I agree with you. I think you go to a, a, a live event, whether that's theater or music or, you know, whatever it might be, to experience it actually as part of the audience. Yeah. So to then 
insulate yourself again feels like it's defeating i think so and uh yeah we we we, you know i'd be lying if i said we hadn't looked at it hugely especially as a startup we have the joy of being able to pivot into really wherever the juice market is yeah do we see an immediate jump for the whole industry there at the moment no i in in all honesty i think it might might have happened maybe uh, and certainly our technology is going to be on the front of that, enabling software in that in, in audio processing for live events. So, you know, we, we we have the comfort knowing that we're there ready to take advantage of as and when. But at the moment, we just don't see the uh, the market forces going in that direction. Um, I want to get into, you know, some of the ways that people can can interface with with improved audio, mm. wherever they may be. Sure. Do you think one of the limitations is you know 5g is now here mm. i still cannot stably stream yeah. um even a 30 second video from social media while i'm doing my commute uh it just doesn't work do you think the limitation in how we interface to where the content is will always be a barrier to us fully experiencing things like that i guess to some degree i would i would, I would acknowledge that i'm not I'm not a skilled, you know, RF and and kind of mobile data specialist, so I would be hesitant to say that it's not going to end up good. But yeah, it's it's still a big problem. Mm. Um, should we be building technologies that can take advantage of that hypothetical future world where everyone is connected with a big enough data pipe and a quick enough data pipe to interface in a low latency, high bandwidth manner? Yeah, we should build those technologies, but should we be betting the house on it? Um, I don't believe so at the moment. I don't think we've had the validation that perhaps the, um, in the similar way as the metaverse is a buzzword in the same way Bitcoin is a buzzword, I think 5G is, is ending up becoming that buzzword. And you see events um, being produced on 5G, um, whatever that means. And normally it means that, you know, some small part of it is 5G and that's a big success. And sure it is. But is that the mass market and is that where we are now and in the near future? I think I probably share a similar view to you. Probably not. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. Um, there's something special about, you know, it is what it is, right? Sure. You've got something on the move. You can listen to it, a podcast, you know, the emergence of podcasts. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I roll back even five years, I was pretty late adopter to podcasts. Yeah. It, I would always listen to music. And now, actually, I quite like that moment you know that you have to learn something or stay tuned into something absolutely current affairs um how do people recreate a live experience in not a venue but their home yeah most people are at home right so and they might want to experience that how can we do problem i i think the the big difference there you take the live event if you look at what the differences are there and there's a big one is that the person being the sound engineer who is ultimately responsible for how something sounds in the live event is normally there <laughs> is it a general rule they're stood there with the audience and if ed sheeran isn't loud enough they turn him up if ed sheeran sounds a bit bad makes him sound better um to be clear i like ed sheeran i'd, keep... <laughs> um, I, I'd, I'd call that point <laughs> <laughs> um but the um at home, you've got a sound engineer mixing for a, an acoustic environment and a speaker system. They've got no idea what it is. And that's a very different problem to be fixed. And having and that's where I think standards come into play. You you look at the likes of Dolby. Yeah. Um, and uh, providing an assurance to a sound engineer and a creative team who are sonic, you know, sonically responsible for, for how something is um, sounding, it's very hard for them to deliver a a coherent and good sounding product without knowing 
to some degree how it's going to be reproduced in someone's home now someone's home you know you could be listening on your bose soundbar uh, in your nice treated living room or whatever but the other person could literally be in the street holding their phone up to their ear yeah it's how do you equalize how do you equalize it, how do you equalize it? Now, yeah. I, i'm I'm, un, I'm less clear on that and i think that that often will come down to providing standards and providing mechanisms for sound engineers to know and recreate that themselves and going is you know providing comparisons is that a sole problem to my knowledge no i don't think it is a sole problem and you do definitely experience remote experiences in different ways we feel quite passionately about how bad live streams can sound of especially music events um mainly because quite often you get the live streaming company coming up to the live sound engineer going oh can i have a feed and they take the feed that the sound engineer is using for the room. Well, it's just never going to work. You you need someone to be responsible for how something sounds for the for the user at home. Yeah. And obviously we have stereo. We have all these different um, ways of recreating sound, but they are very different. And there's a big challenge there, I think, that's yet to be solved. Is it because you used to get the presets where it was like stadium and arena mm. and these kinds of things. And they've obviously tried to do something mm. with the EQing to make it sure. optimized for that environment or make it feel like you're in that environment. But I always found them to be like stadium just made it sound like it was further away. Sure. Um, is there some clever tech coming down the road that can maybe figure out the dimensions of your room and then optimize it? There's, a, there's an amazing company um, called Audio Scenic. I don't know if you've come across them. No, They're in not Southampton. Yeah. Um, uh, my, my old supervisor at Southampton, Filippo Farzi, is the CSO there. And and the team are brilliant. Um, I highly recommend if you can get them on here. I'm sure they'd share a lot of their secrets. But what they've managed to do is, in a soundbar environment, you can be sat in front of your soundbar watching it, and they, they do um, some very clever analysis to beam steer audio it, binaural audio to your ears yeah so this ear it's as if you're wearing headphones but without headphones and from there as if you let's say you sat on your sofa with your laptop on your lap watching a live event they can stream binaural surround sound to your to your ears directly so this ear is hearing something completely different to this ear wow and it sounds like you're wearing headphones without wearing headphones for but, one individual in the room for one individual at the moment yes and that that's i'm sure up for them to, to share what their trajectory so is. they're like they're they've got some camera or something that's finding where you are or Correct. what yeah. yes and so the using using kind of head tracking and um understanding where a user is they're able to they're able to deliver that quite remarkable sensation i i highly recommend it it's um yeah as and when people at home can can use it they, they're in for a real treat so and you look at that and that actually can perhaps solve a problem um, for people. Let's say also, hypothetically, you're able to do that for different people sitting in the in the room. You've got your grandma sat over there who maybe wants audio description or maybe a bit louder, or wants the vocals louder than this. Having the ability to beam steer audio to different people, even down to different ears, is very exciting. And you look at that and you go, wow, that is that is the future. That's fascinating. Yeah, because it may be that the volume needs to be slightly louder for this person, they're struggling or this, yeah, that's a personalized uh, experience. And I would say that's probably, of all the technologies I've come across for at-home listening, that's the one that stands out as the most exciting one. You look at that and you go, wow, that could blow the roof off the thing. Yeah, I remember paying a lot of money for a surround system some years ago and it had a little microphone in the box and you put that in the middle of the room and then it went boop, 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 like that and then it optimized it. And then after it optimized it, I thought, I'm not sure that this was worth the money. <laughs> <laughs> totally, I, I've been there. I don't, I, the one I, the one I have at home, you wear a silly little headband. I don't. Know oh, I've seen ridiculous. that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're sat there, sitting there, waiting for all these boots, and you can sit over here, and you get to the end, and you go, 
well, that's nice. I'm sure it's done something. Whether or not it's something <laughs> I wanted, I don't know to this day. But it's, are you a um, gadget? Do you like the gadgets? I do. I've ever since I was a kid. You yeah, know, it's yeah. partly why I'm in the position where I'm now making things because you go, yeah, it's just the ultimate privilege, isn't it? You've grown up playing with all these gadgets, and then you just get to make gadgets, and it's even more fun. So yes. So let's t- let's touch on that um, in relation to to uh, Fourier um, as the CEO and and the co-founder. You know, what's your balance? And as you know, someone with uh, with Jacoby and Rob and the mm. and the team that we have here building something, there's your invention hat where you can play in a sandpit and make whatever you want. Sure. And then there's the I've actually got a responsibility to my investors. I've got a responsibility to the success of the the company. How do you balance those things as a CEO and <laughs> founder? Because you could just play all day long and just invent, yeah, but you have to ultimately <laughs> let bring me know a if return. you have the answer. Well, like, I don't. <laughs> it's it's very hard. Yeah. Um, I think we there, there was a just, there was a clear moment when you go from just dreaming before you started the mm. company to all of a sudden when money's involved in some way or other. Initially, we bootstrapped ourselves, so the three co-founders put money in, and we employed Pete to make our first little product. And even when you even when you're doing that and it wasn't a huge amount of money it's still tangible money that's our money it focuses the mind and it does take away that kind of that schoolboy kind of wide-eyed oh we can do anything because all of a sudden you've committed to doing something and i think that doesn't really stop once you started that journey to some degree there's always going to be that undercurrent of either your money or someone else's money even even more you know impactful i guess in the way that you operate um and you've committed to doing something with that money. Normally, it's to make more money. But you've also committed in by normally by at least a vague structure of how you're going to make money. Like we we're not going to go you know we're not going to go out there and sell sterilization wipes tomorrow. This is not what we said we're going to do to our investors. So we do have limitations where the line is. You know that's that's up for you to to play with. And and do we dream and do we change? Yes. You know I, I mentioned about immersive audio we see this immersive audio and especially 3D audio and there's a whole area there to to dig into of object-based mixing versus channel-based mixing. It's something that we see time and time again that we, you know, film and, and studio recording is moving towards this idea of instead of having channels and panning left and right, you position them in a virtual space and then you calculate what, as if a listener were there, what the listener would hear. And that's where we're seeing audio moving towards. Live is behind that in part, as mentioned, because mm. of the lack of software. But it doesn't necessarily... You, we, we can go down all these rabbit holes, but at the end of the day, there's still anchor of the bank account doesn't lie and you have a payroll. We, you know, we employ three amazing software engineers and myself and Pete full time. And that pressure is always there. And so you do have to focus the mind and you do have to remain clearly focused on what you're doing and why. So yes, we do. You know, I do. I'm fortunate in in my position as as the CEO to have the ability, time wise, and I, I guess to some degree the mandate to do a bit, a bit of dreaming. And alongside the other co-founders, we we do dream. Yeah. But there's always this undercurrent of is this actually going to make the bank balance go up rather than down? Yeah, I th- I think you've described it perfectly. I mean, the only in a way having that clear line of sight on what the first thing is that generates the revenue is the thing which also unlocks the dream that might be further away without that you don't get to that so it kind of creates that impetus and that focus on delivering the here and now and it's definitely something that we keep our mind on but it it is hard because you want to 
get to the end as soon as you possibly can and sure um and you need to be open to those pivots as well like you described earlier on you do i i think one thing that i've learned and continue to learn is there's a balance when selling to future investors and current investors about your dream versus your route to revenue there's a there's a real tension there because your dream is exciting your dream is actually probably what they've invested in yes in terms of that's where you're going to make big money but also that's where you're going to change people's lives you're going to make things dramatically better but to get there you do have you you know pete our cto's favorite favorite phrase is don't eat the elephant hole and it's it's so true we can't just eat that whole elephant we've got to nibble at the toe yeah and that's where we're starting and really that's where the value proposition and that's where the revenue is going to drive from it and then you can start dreaming that bit further but that balance and selling that balance is exceptionally hard it's one of the hardest things i've found in the journey so far yeah so um i mean i'm just looking at the the clock over there and we i can't believe we're almost 30 minutes in already um i wanted to touch on selfishly what we're doing sure how how much of a problem is the the noise the background noise element to a production a broadcaster um you know or audio in general yeah. um, there's artifacts that are creeping in from people or you know machinery or mm. animals or whatever is in yeah. the background that you don't want in that production so how much of a challenge is that for the industries that you work in i i guess i rather than being disingenuous and talking about broadcast when i haven't really worked in broadcast audio if i take theater as an example because that's where i was working professionally before this job um in artish huge um there's an entire line of work to stop exactly that and that and there's a hidden world in theater where as mentioned before you have this sound engineer who's amalgamating the audio to make it sound good at the mixing desk theater's a little different in that you have gareth owen um uh, our co-founder who's the sound designer of a production say and his job is to do that during a process of rehearsal he'll make it sound good he'll each song or each bit of the play will be done in a certain way and crafted and stored so it's recalled time and time again like groundhog day every day you do the same show for years potentially you look at wicked and the lion king they're still going with that same framework that yeah. the designer has put in place but You'll also find when you go and see a musical theatre show, for example, that there's someone stood at the back of the stools with the sound desk. And their job is to firstly provide a balance and go, well, the band is, you know, playing this loud and that person's lost their voice today, so we'll give them a bit of help. That's part of it. But they're also doing something called line-by-line mixing that's a bit of a hidden secret, really. No one really knows it exists. But it's to solve this exact problem. If you imagine, let's say, we were talking on stage like this and we've both got a relatively omnidirectional mic strapped to our face... I'm talking and this is picking me up and then what two feet two feet over there um a bit later due to time delay that mic is picking up me maybe a little bit less and if you had both of those together that mismatch of time you end up with all sorts of horrible artifacts mm. in it. you lose clarity you lose the intelligibility that people crave you know that the hallmark of a good show is can you hear the words otherwise you lose the story and so what a sound engineer does in, in musical theatre is they do something called line by line mixing so if let's say i was talking i would have my fader up and then the second you jump in we switch faders and if you imagine the speed at which some of these things go it is quite phenomenal to watch it's 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 like playing a piano. oh wow so they're literally they are literally it. every single line oh, and right. typically unless lots of people are singing together only one mic is live at any one time on stage which when you think about how many people and how complex these shows wow. are is a phenomenal sure challenge. I appreciated that before. That's, it, some, that's phenomenal. It's a it's a hidden industry and it's a whole career. You know, it was my career. It was what I what I did um, alongside the most amazing team of people in the West End, Broadway and all over the world. It's a hidden skill that people don't typically know about, but it is exactly what you do. It is actually cutting out unwanted noise coming down um, audio input channels. In this case, microphones strapped to actors. 
So do I think there's an application there? Absolutely. Um, but it's it's certainly something that perhaps you can you can dig into a little bit further. We'll dig in. Um, it, it, I think you made a really key point, whether you're talking about uh, theatre or or you know one of the industries which which we center on, which is call centers. Mm. The the content and the story and the connectivity is in the words. Sure. So if there's other things that are outside of that connection, absolutely, that's that's not useful. Totally. And it's I think it's perhaps in theatre, it's less obvious that that's what's going on, but it's obvious enough to spend thousands of pounds a week on staff to get rid of it. And so it is a big problem. If you don't do it, the shows are completely, you cannot commute, you cannot get the words on the stage. It is that dramatic. Wow. And so it is a big problem. And, you know, I certainly I mentioned I mentioned earlier um, before we started the, the, the sheer kind of impact of the clarity stuff on just things like air traffic control it's quite it's quite phenomenal when you listen to it i would recommend anyone listening at home just to have a listen because it is it's very impressive well thank you for that comment i'm just going to take a minute to just talk about the fact that we're going to be at the business show on the and i never remember the date 16th and 17th of november at the london excel so if you're there with a headline sponsor uh and then we're at the call and contact center expo the hot ticket in town the 22nd and 23rd of November, and I should really remember those dates. Um, so you can come and see us there. Tickets are available online, and uh, we'll be sharing details of the links to our event pages, and you can come and find us. We've got the Formula One simulator there. You can test your lap times again, as we were doing last year. You can come and get a demo, as Henry says, of the technology and what all the various other things that we're doing at Iris. Um, Henry, Thank you for allowing me to do our little yeah, advert here. No worries. What's Anytime. coming up? You've got you've got a product um, in secret squirrel mode called Project Core. Indeed. What are you allowed to share about that? That seems like an exciting yeah, next it, step for your company. It is. It's the route to revenue. Um, so it's we're we're on this march through R and D, which is a long arduous journey, as I'm sure you can relate to. Um, but yeah, next year we will be um, looking to come out of out into the world with a product that people can put on their live events to bring reliable software to their event in a, in a means that isn't just what we see at the moment we see these laptops perching on stands and all sorts of hideous kind of heath robinson setups that people are forced to use <laughs> to gain access to the tools they want and we're here to bring those software tools to the live sound engineer excellent well we look forward to um staying tuned to your story and your journey as you go forward i've really enjoyed the conversation what's the hot what's the we're back to theater and shows and everything sure. what's your top concert show are you going to say it um no 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 uh, I, I i don't go to nearly enough music concerts i guess theater is probably the one that i can move I, something that i was incredibly proud to be involved with was back to the future the musical oh cool uh, back up in manchester before covid so that was where we were before when covid struck and with bob gale and the original creative team up there for the first time they were coming back together to make this show and it's running in the west end and it's brilliant so i would highly recommend that to anyone listening excellent i will be going to that i saw that on your website actually yeah. the, the the car fantastic henry thank you so much pleasure thanks tom all right join us again next time thank you